Alright, take three. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the best boys. It's the best uh, boys. It's the best uh, boys. Yeah. Uh-huh. How's uh-huh. it going, everybody? Slob Thomas. Welcome back. I'm here with my friend. Or brother. Corey with a story. How's everybody doing? <laughs> best boys film podcast. Number 17. The number eight film history podcast in the country of Kazakhstan. Huge, really resisting. Really resisting making a Borat joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 love Borat, so we love Kazakhstan. So those two go hand in hand, truly, right? <laughs> truly, truly. Um, welcome back, everybody, and we're here talking about you know one of the one of the reasons we we we're doing this podcast. I feel it's like everybody's like entry into weird movies. Not everybody's, but a lot of people's. Mine for sure. We got Sir David Lynch, who is not a sir. Is he? I was gonna ask. Is he knighted? <laughs> I was. I was like, I couldn't let that linger immediately. He should be. <laughs> what? Is, um, what are you doing, Queen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should be an honorary British citizen. Um, and night. Well, here we are. So you got uh, how's it going over there? Uh, so you good. Have, just... You have a beautiful face behind you. Oh yeah, this is um, with a mustache. This is the best. This is for Wild at Heart. This is the best picture of Nick Cage that I could find. Um, I think it's I think it's beautiful, and it's from a 2005 USA Today magazine thing, I guess. Article. It's it's dope as fuck, but anyways, the uh, this week was nuts though. I had to go back out to LA. I was back on Euphoria and uh, a really like tough scene. There was an ensemble cast on set, which is uh, doesn't happen very often, and it was it was very interesting. It was um, I wish I could talk about it, but that's all I can really say. Um, but how was your how was your week? Same as it ever was. I don't even know why you ask me because the answer is always the same. Well, you I, never know. I don't know. I like, I, I, I went to a cookout yesterday. I do a podcast. <laughs> I I I work a regular job. I have a D and D group, and I've been working on Warhammer stuff. It is that is. I watch a couple movies. <laughs> that is every week for me. <clears throat> the same thing, every time. Uh, <laughs> Copy that. <laughs> um, no, I know. I I just feel like I, every time you ask me, you're like expecting me to say something, and then I'm like, don't know what to say, and then um, because I have nothing. Well, to I don't say. know. What is there to say? I mean, I don't. I can't say I was on some cool set somewhere. You know, I have nothing. to no, say. No, no. I'd be like, there's things going on at the house. Things going on in life. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to hear about me. You know, cleaning a toilet or something. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like it would be. It doesn't make good podcasts. Um, but no, it's not no. you. But uh, I'm meaning to say that because it's just not. I'm just hanging. Uh, this is me. This is what I do. Um, right here. But uh, I watched a couple movies. Yeah. But were they any good? They stunk. 
Really? No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I've already seen one of these movies already. And the other one, I I maybe have built up a little bit in my mind to be something else. So Interesting. So I think that my expectations were a little subverted. Um, but also needed to realize that this is David Lynch and this is a standard, standard Lynch affair. Yeah. The I went blind on these both. Uh, I had no idea what either one was supposed to be about. I just, the only thing I knew was Nick Cage was in Wild at Heart from the poster. And that was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll probably... And Laura Dern. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, of Jurassic Park fame. Uh, but she was great in that. It was, these were great. I really liked these. I was... Uh, not gonna lie, I was very, very confused after Lost Highway and had to read into it to understand it. But now knowing that, I, it's those they're awesome. I like these both. Yeah. Which which one do you want to start with? Uh, Lost Highway or uh, Wild at Heart? Uh, I figure we should start with the earlier one. Is that was that Lost Highway or is that? Uh, you don't know? I was, I know uh, Wild Heart was 1990. Lost Highway was 1997. Okay, so we're cool. not googling on the on the podcast. Um, I have both the pages up, but um, yeah. What do you, what would you, you want to go uh, through your plot points of the movie? Um. I mean, it's about uh, it's Wild Heart's about a relationship. Um, and they're on the run. It is a, it is kind of a road movie, I would say. Um, but it is really not. It kind of, instead of like a road, typical road movie being like the destinations on the journey of the journey, this is more just like they're in hotel rooms and bars. They go see some, you know, concerts. Uh, I guess like they do, they find a car wreck on the way, but so much of the movie is also like, the mom and the mom chasing them, but then all of a sudden the mom like disappears from the movie until the end. Um, it, it's yeah, you know, the mom. Um, apparently, uh, a lot of the movie is revealing the backstory of the movie, which I thought was interesting. I thought the like the most interesting like part is what happened before and why this is the way it is, and you kind of get these little flashbacks. There's a lot of repeated um, flashbacks. Uh, as well, it is, um, yeah. And it, it kind of tells that story more so that way. And then you're kind of just in this world of these two characters, you know, having, a uh, you know, there's a lot of sex and, uh, just like pillow talk and they're telling each other story, mm -hmm. random stories. Um, and then the second half of the movie, it actually starts like moving forward, um, past that, um, you know, with them being on the run and um, and what they're gonna do because Nicholas Cage broke parole or whatever. They were in, he was in jail. He was framed or not framed, but and the very the beginning of the movie is super cool, which we should talk mm -hmm. about in uh, first. Um, but uh, that's essentially what how it goes. Um, this the mom is trying to to stop Laura Dern from eloping with Nicholas Cage. Mm hmm. 
the opening of this movie was hilariously like not in like a it's legitimately funny but just i didn't expect it to just go like to the top immediately um the guy comes down with a knife at into where it's just like accusing nick cage of sleeping with laura dern's mom um and nick cage just kills him it's so bloody and violent too like it's it's like that it's kind of like that um the bright red blood that's a little cartoony but it was just so like um intense right from the get-go yeah it's really abrupt um you just kind of like the credits are really long and there's just like it's all fire explosions and stuff very very lynch it, this movie reminds me a lot of twin both of these movies remind me a lot of twin peaks um and this movie was made actually after the pilot was filmed for twin peaks they did the pilot they did this and then they did the rest of the show um mm. <clears throat> and uh production wise and um it shows there's a, this probably is the most twin peaks actors in it um uh, on the background um uh grace Sabisky um is the one it plays the cajun torture lady um uh, jack nance uh, who's who's from eraser head um several and then several other small small characters i kept like pointing it out it's like a who's who of David Lynch uh, used actors. Yeah, yeah. The um, I really like the uh, that well, not like I was gonna say. I'm surprised that the the guy who was in who's in Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks and every uh, and Dune, um, I'm surprised not to see him in either of these movies. Uh, because I feel like I see him in almost all of Lynch's movies. What? Are you talking about uh, Cal McLaughlin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's only in his two the two movies in Dune. That's it. He's not in all of his. Oh, well, didn't he in Twin Peaks too though? Yeah, Twin Peaks in two movies. Gotcha, gotcha. But um, after the intro, of the movie though, like the so, the the fire stuff was nuts. Like it with the with the metal music. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, that was a what was a, a hallmark of both of these films uh, was the use of metal music. Uh, the only Lynch films I haven't seen at this point are Elephant Man and um, Straight Story. Um, and these are the only two films that I, uh, only two works of his that I'm familiar with that use uh, metal music so prominently. Um, and in, it really does create this huge uh, like contrast and sound. Um, you're just hit with this you know, punch in the face and it's guttural. Um, and I, you know, that's the appeal of metal music. But when you're using it in a film like this, especially like cutting from quiet, a quiet moment to this like um, flashback or this vision, and I think it, you know, for Laura Dern's character, uh, usually represents anxiety um, or you know, trauma, triggering of a trauma of past traumas. Um, but uh, yeah, I found that really interesting, and I feel like it, it kind of speaks to the time. But the you know the '90s were grunge, and um, mm -hmm. I guess late '80s is very hard. It was like hard rock, and and um, kind of transitioning from glam to more harder rock before grunge really t took over. Um, and I thought that was interesting. The, the, the club that they went to, as much as it was like metal sound, it was very much reminded me of like a hard rock club, like the kind mm. of stuff that uh, our Uncle Dave would be and been into uh, when he was young. Yeah, because that's yeah. like his prime, you know, this mm. around this time. Uh, so I thought I did think of him um, through uh, in those scenes. Our uncle is a uh, 
was a pretty big time bass player and toured in uh, a fairly big you know, hair metal band and then kind of, wa you know, he's not going to hear this. He's kind of washed out um, the rest of his life, but it's kind of an interesting story. Um, and, uh, yeah, they remind me of that, that vibe, that scene, you know, of his pr yeah. that prime of when he was doing his thing. Uh, but the, the, but it's interesting because it's the metal of the time of the of the '90s. But it's also like their Nicolas Cage, even in particular, is so rockabilly. Um, you know, Elvis inspired. He straight up talks like Elvis, and he's got mm -hmm. you know snakeskin jacket. That's a symbol of his um, identity and personal freedom. Uh, <laughs> and uh, God, I love that. And uh, it's felt very libertarian to me. I don't know why. Just the, that that statement sounds very libertarian <laughs> to me. Not that that's a problem. It's just uh, the, something about yeah. the character. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, it was super funny. The juxtaposition of the rockabilly and the retro with the with the the modern day and the metal. And I remember when we watched Crybaby that I kept wanting to. Uh, compare these two movies compare it to a movie that I hadn't seen yet just off of what I know about it which is it involves El you know Elvis impersonator essentially not impersonator but someone who's really into Elvis mm. and uh um this movie's very different it's very different than that it does have the rockabilly you know through line that came out in the same year um and there is elements you can point to each other but at the same time um the feels of these of the movies are completely different. What do you think? About yeah, that? I can see what you mean. Um, yeah, I could I definitely see what you mean between like the Johnny Depp Nick Cage comparison. I, I was gonna say about the music, um, the metal music when I when it came on, I found it jarring at first, and then uh, but then it just kind of step back, remember the time, but also it just kind of works in the and after it seems kind of like jarring, it it kind of blends in and, and works and ended up just like I really liked it it just it helped with the aesthetic of the whole movie um and then with their like hardcore dancing where they're Nick Cage is just flailing his arms around and kicking his legs uh that you'd see in like a hardcore punk show um a little bit but it's also like mixed that, with like regular with like like dancing of that time like it's yeah yeah like it's, it's just super fast so like they have yeah, to move yeah. extremely fast to these to the to the BPM you know um, yeah, you 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 pair that with the strobe light that they had going, and it just it made this this awesome looking scene when that that first introduction. Um, it was very punk feeling though. You're all right, because even though it was metal music, this whole vibe felt very punk mm -hmm. to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I even think Nick Cage or one of the characters later in the movie even refers to like them being is like punk stuff. Um, but I I can't remember which character, but the. Um, yeah, that uh, it really. I feel like that scene set kind of set the tone for the rest of it because you go from all that metal stuff, and then after the um, he gets into that fight with that dude, he starts singing the song, and it ends up being this like nice slow ballad um, uh, that he's singing to Laura Dern. Uh, and but I feel like that just is what the entire move rest of the movie feels like. Just these weird, intense, and also like slow and sweet. Like uh, peaks and valleys. It swings and then like hard. They're hard. There's like abrupt changes in the vibe mm -hmm. and and what's even going on. Like you think you know it's where it's going, what's happening, um, but you really don't. Um, there's things that I don't know. I don't understand fully. Like what happened. What was the deal with um, 
Laura, uh, Laura Dern's mom, Lula, is her character. Sailor and Lula are the two characters' names. Lula's mother, who's actually played by her real-life mother. Um, I thought they looked similar. Diane Ladd. They look, yeah, they look so much alike. And um, they... Uh, the, her her boyfriend played by uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who is in a couple Lynch things, but is a long t long time actor. And they capture him, and, and they're gonna kill him. Her her secret boyfriend is gonna kill her real boyfriend. And but it's like these other people. This it's Grace Sabisky who plays Laura Dern's mother in Twin Peaks. She's like leader of this these this trio of weird artsy criminals. I don't even know what I'd call it. Um, and she's got a thick Cajun accent because they're supposed to be in New Orleans. And uh, and uh, it, I don't understand where it was supposed to go. They introduced that, that rich rich guy character um, yeah. who's actually the voice. I'm just going to do this all the time. But he I, his voice is burned into my brain because he narrates the video game Civilization V. Um, and anytime you get a new technology, he like says this little a little blurb about it or whatever. And and when I heard him talk, I was like, "That's the civilization." Well, I'm dying. <laughs> but it, it's, it, his his story just ended, and he didn't go anywhere. They're like Mr. Reindeer, um, they yeah. showed us who Mr. Reindeer was, and he just appeared, and that was it. Um, yeah. And, um, like Very I said, the, the mother's storyline just appears and disappears, and then comes back at the end of the movie. Um, it's interesting. I don't know how I felt about it because, like, I I like. Apparently, the torture scene with Harry Dean Stanton was supposed to be longer, and they cut it back because it was mm. like, um. Apparently, I think there might have been rape involved or something, Ooh. and uh, the the they test screen like people like threw up or something. Um, I oh, I, wow. I, I I don't remember the, the throw up part. Don't hold me to that, but everything else is supposedly true. Um, that people had a really strong reaction to that in the test screen. They cut it back. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The, um, the right hand man to Grace Sabisky's character is Jerry Horn from Twin Peaks. Who's also famous from being in the Warriors. He's the guy who clinks the bottles together. Warriors. Really? And play. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I that whole I had a kind of issues with that part in the middle because it was interesting visually and the characters were mm -hmm. interesting and then they just didn't go anywhere and that that's probably my biggest issue with the whole movie and like I'm, I'm sure someone that has seen this more than once I've only saw this once I've seen Lost Highway three this is now my third time oh wow um, and uh, so I, I think that it, both of these movies do bear multiple watching I think this one. As much as it is more of a conventional film, I think it would be harder for me to watch over and again. Like, especially just after seeing it. After mm -hmm. I finished Lost Highway, I was already like, I could start this over now. If I had the mm -hmm. time and, and, and had nothing to do, I could just start this back over again. And like looking for, oh, now I know what this is. Now I know what that was. Now I know what this is. Because like once you figure out the it's like Mulholland Drive. Lost Highway yeah. is, very, is this, the sister movie to Mulholland Drive. Um, I think Mulholland Drive is done better, which is why I think people laud Mulholland Drive and they re everyone that knows Lynch brings up Mulholland Drive versus Lost Highway, considered one of his deeper cuts, even though I think that they have a lot of similarities. What do you think about any of that? I guess I'm jumping yeah. to Lost Highway. I'm sorry. I'm getting scattered. <laughs> no, it's all right. But um, 
yeah, I'll I definitely agree on the the Mulholland Drive. I, once you mentioned it when we were talking about it before the podcast, um, I immediately was just like, yeah, this is like a like I guess less iconic kind of scenes and happenings uh, version of that, but we'll save that for Lost Highway. Um, the yeah, the Cajun characters, I like I I thought because of the silver dollar things that that meant like all right, they took the job, so like they're just gonna be in it for the rest of the movie. Um, but I guess it was more like they just put out like once they found out what city they were going to, they just put out a call into every one of those cities because when they get into Big Tuna. Um, there's the, oh, yeah, that's, uh, the I other guess, yeah, one. you're right. That is what it might, it's probably supposed to be. <clears throat> but I agree that it was like, it kind of, I didn't make sense until like it just got there and, and, uh, the, what's it called? Um, you realize that she's one of the people that's actually going to do the hit cause she lies about, uh, that, uh, he doesn't have a hit on him. Oh yeah. And that's Isabella Rosalini from blue velvet. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. I, that's what I was like. I thought this was going. Uh, her character was yeah. kind of random a little bit, but um, there's a lot of characters I, that are in it for little little bits, and they kind of don't amount to much on their own. Even the final villain of the film, Bobby Peru, who is awesome, <laughs> awesome. This is one of the best <laughs> Willem Dafoe characters. Not because it's complex or deep, just because it is fucking executed so well. Um, it is perfectly the, over the top. The creep factor, though, is there. Like that's David Lynch is always great about creating characters that are silly and villainous, mm. like mustache twirlers, but they also will fucking creep you out in your soul. And like the scene with him and Laura Dern in the hotel room is oh my god, dark. So uncomfortable. Yeah, it is very very dark. Um, and then, um. But then in the end, he gets just a dessert, just desserts, and it is so funny. And his whole oh thing, God. like even like, uh, "Those are dummy bullets, you dummy," <laughs> uh, and, and his his fake teeth through the oh. through the pantyhose. Um, yeah, his just tiny looks little. So teeth. good. Uh, yeah, the the I I thought that the uh, the dentures that they used for the fake teeth and stuff it looked so good. Um, because he didn't really have a bad lisp or anything. He could, you know, like when they do the prosthetics and stuff like that, do you, um, especially back then it, it Im impaired the dialogue delivery, but it's, it, it works and it feels so real. Um, and yeah, Willem Dafoe, this might now be my new favorite, like Willem Dafoe role. Bobby it's, so over the top. it's a funny name. <laughs> it's a, like, it's a comic book character name. Yeah. Um, like a Dick Tracy. He's very much like a Dick Tracy villain. I think that's why I like him. Um, oh, pure evil, but uh, yeah, yeah sure. so in the end, just to spoil, um, they go to try to do a bank or uh, like a rob a I don't know if it's a store or a bank or something, they so they're getting supplies, yeah, it's there. Hard to sell. um, and uh, and they're robbing the place, and instantly, um, Willem Dafoe kills everyone in there and then is double crossed, <laughs> um, double crossed. Uh, Nicholas Cage, and then as they're running out, there's a cop that got run over by Isabella Rossellini, and he plugs him in the chest, and uh, he falls over and shoots and blows his own head off with a shotgun, <laughs> and it is hilarious. This movie gets hyper violent randomly, and that's how Lynch yeah. films are. Lynch films will be like a normal film that you could watch with your kid, and then all of a sudden there's something hyper violent or titties, uh, or like just like a, mm. uh, or rape or violence against women, like. 
It's very strange uh, how he does that. It's kind of like telling an old... I always feel like... I felt this in Lost Highway, and I also feel this even in this to a degree, is he tells these old stories, they're like noir, like noir genre stories, and then just adds in a bunch of weird, crazy shit, and then has everything pause. I was saying the risk when we were watching Lost Highway, and it applies to this as well, is if you listen to them deliver lines, there's usually a pause between every single line. They'll say a sentence and sit let it breathe say sentence and then we'll let it breathe um like there is very little um and like some of the scenes when they're like talking to all those people it's more normal dialogue delivery but anything that's like slow like creepy that's meant to be weird and creepy everything is always delivered Mm -hmm. so slowly yeah, it's like when they're having, uh, it's like an isolated moment between two characters uh, where it's like to in, um, enhance the, the intensity of the scene. Like, um, I never, I didn't really think about it until you just mentioned it, but yeah, it's like, uh, that is, I think that's why that stands out so much too, because it's like, it's very, you know, it's very unique and it's, it's, it's an unsettling thing because it's not it's normal uncanny. conversation. It's uncanny. Yeah. I think that's what it is. He does it in Twin Peaks. He does it in a lot mm. of his films. Um, it's like those, yeah, definitely the, does that in Dune. The the people I think it's like people that feel the need to talk to feel uncomfortable. The uncomfortable mm. silence. Lynch wants to force the audience to sit in that silence for every to sit in it for the whole movie, and that washes this. Uh, feeling of unease unease over you i think uh, this is feels mm-hmm. off this feels like in the ads and he it's the dreaminess um it's what feels dreamy it's the music the angela battlementi scores in both of these films also scores twin peaks um the yeah, add, adds to that dreaminess like the the synth chords um and uh between that and like the way that the, the how like the time it's taken and these movies are long and they and this one feels mm. long to me in the third in like the three fourths of the way through I started to feel like holy shit how is this ending and when is this really ending? um not like I was like bad, mad about it um the ending is actually pretty decent it just didn't feel like a good payoff for all the vibes that was set up in the beginning yeah. Um, I, I could I could feel that the um, like post, I, post I, my, bank robbery is what I'm saying. Like the bank robbery uh, part okay. was good. It was interesting and fun, but it's like before and after that, they took a lot of time on things. And I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say the uh, when they got to like New Orleans and it just became like non like nothing but just sex scenes and and roads. That's where it kind of like that was my slog point. But that once we got into Big Tuna and you met Bobby Peru. Uh, I that like hooked me back in for the rest of the film. But afterwards, after the arrest and everything, like the the whole when he runs away and then fights those like those like street gang people just surround him out of nowhere. That yeah, no the reason. ending. Yeah, like, I, w- I want to talk about that. But um, I was gonna. Well, I think I like that the part that you said you you thought was a slog better because it was like so you're just immersed in this their their passion and like. It wasn't about the destination. It wasn't about the places that they were at. It was just about, mm. you know, the them being in the, in their in love and whatever. And I don't know. I really connected with that part more, even though it was less narrative. I was just basically the the Johnny 
the Johnny storyline uh, in the first half then. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't uh, know. I like that better. I, I, and I think once it started moving, um, I thought that it'd be maybe different or more. My expectations of like a payoff were other than Willem Dafoe's head getting blown off. It didn't feel like a fulfilling uh, conclusion. Yeah. I guess for, for me, it was it not so much like I, I, I liked what that segment was. I just felt like it was just, um, just, I guess it was like one too many sex scenes dragged it on for me a little bit. Um, but, uh, but as a concept, yeah, I, I, I totally dug it. Um, I don't think I could have did it much longer than what it was. I, I like the, yeah. well, and it was also it's also the uh, the repetition of the motif. I think is the themes and the motif because you keep mm -hmm. also getting during each of those sex scenes, you get the flashbacks. They reveal a little yeah. bit more about the backstory. Um, yeah, you see like the flaming house and the road and you know um, the, the metal music. Car, the up car. Yeah, yeah, the blowing up. Yeah, yes. And you see all those little glimpses, and you learn a little bit more about the characters. You learn a little story about their life. Um, I don't know. I found that part interesting and atypical for most movie. You know, most movies, the way that they were handling that, taking their time. And immer it, it really was spent, the time was definitely spent in using the repetition of the motifs and everything was to just immerse you in you know their love and their passion and being on the run and whatever um but i i mean i agree i agree that that could be especially for like a normal kind of movie it becomes more paced normally after that point um so i could see that you know people it'd be harder um it'd be more challenging than than that um but yeah um, i don't disagree though i get i can totally see that perspective yeah i uh I was going to say, I agree with the, uh, it's, it is very interesting because normally in movies you get just like a, an exposition dump in a single bedroom scene, but doing the little breadcrumb trickling of it. Um, cause it still just raises not, it gives you some answers to backstory, but also raises some questions. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's more a, it's... involved with it. Mm -hmm. But like little shorts, like a short series almost. Yeah. Um, I like yeah, that. I can definitely I like appreciate that. that. Yeah. Uh, it starts to fall apart for me with the gangs and uh, and like how they don't really do anything um, until until the end. Uh, it's very it, that that is probably my biggest issue with it. I think this is probably aside from Dune, which I think Dune is a is a is a solid movie for what it is. I think this is as far as Lynch Lynch movies. I think this is his uh, weakest film that I've really? seen. I mean, he just has a high bar. It doesn't mean that I, it yeah. sucks. It's just that I like, I've seen almost all of them, except, like I said, except for Elephant Man and Straight Story. And I would say this is his weakest, in my opinion. Still cool. And if you were into Lynch, you should definitely see. If you're into Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, or David Lynch, you should see this film. Absolutely. Laura Dern is hot in this movie. Um, <laughs> and I never really looked, like I said, we our first introduction to her was jurassic park so i've never really looked at her like that way um even though she's probably in her mid-20s when jurassic park came out i always like she had a mo motherly vibe i think just because i was a little kid seeing that movie and she was she took care of those kids in that movie and yeah, it's yeah. weird so i've only ever viewed her that way and uh because I, I haven't seen a lot of films where she wasn't where she was sexy 
And this was like, whoa. And she was young. She does seem about 20. Um, and uh, I was just, yeah, her performance was very different than the typical Laura Dern character. And I think that was really cool. And she she's, was awesome. Um, Nicolas Cage is great. This was a role made for Nicolas Cage. Uh, 100%. This movie was a movie made for Nicolas Cage. Because it's even with the quietness, the the moments of chaos. Who else do you want in that? And your lead role, um, lead male role, than Nicolas Cage. Yeah, exactly. He's just, he's perfect for this kind of over the top thing. I mean, it's like uh, it's like the what he said in the interview. It's, he does, he brings like a little bit of theater to the performance. That over exaggeration, but it just it works so well when you're oh, trying. Oh, I I remember this movie has definitely the or. Has some, uh, or I guess you know what movie has some DNA of this? What? It's from newer. That's newer from the last few years. What? Mandy. Yeah, I could. I could see the that. beginning half where they're fucking laying in bed for like an hour of yeah, the fucking yeah. movie, and then Nicolas Cage is in it, and the range of I'm so in love and a passionate relationship. They're just older people. They're just you yeah. know forties, thirty, you know forties and fifties instead of. Um, twenties, twenties, and yeah, uh, I could definitely see that. And then it's just like it's, you know, it's different. It's definitely not the same. Mm-hmm. I, it, the plot is completely different because the capture, the kidnapping, and the rescuing, yeah, and, yeah, and everything. But the there is some DNA. The, uh, there is some DNA yeah. of this movie in that one. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. Uh, mainly the beginning, and uh, mainly the beginning. And I want to do Mandy for this. Uh, I was hoping to do it around oh, Halloween, but our Halloween, our fucking horror. Our fucking October is stacked. I keep finding out about movies that I, I don't know what it is about the marketing teams of these films, but they're like announcing them and then they're coming out in like a month or two months or something, three months. I just found out about Tragedy Macbeth. Um, I want to see The Duelist by Ridley Scott. I, Ridley Scott's got another movie coming out later, I think, or early 2022. Um, you have the release schedules backed up from no one releasing movies. That's COVID what it is. Now. Yeah, that's what it is. So like, but they're not announcing them well ahead of time. I think because of the chaos of of our yeah. times. So you're only hearing about, about a movie at most three months ahead of time, and that's rare. That's only for the big ones, like your Shang Chi's yeah. uh, and whatnot. But uh, sorry, digress. This is oh, no worries. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about the cinematography on this one. Watching both of these movies really picked me up on the the how Lynch likes his movies lit, which is just top light, spotlight, with dark walls and dark backgrounds. And uh, so much of this and Lost Highway that are lit like that on all the interior scenes. Twin Peaks has lighting like that. Yeah, um, yeah. That's just like it must. It's just, it has to be Lynch's style because it's all of his movies are Blue Velvet too. Blue Velvet too. The inner her apartment in Isabella's yep. apartment is similar as well. Um, it's top light, spotlight. It's it's very interesting. What it makes it feel I, almost. It makes it feel. It's like a mixture of a stage and a, and yeah, a real life lighting. It's like stage in real life because like lamps are usually have a nice mm-hmm. effect in a lot of his stuff. Like, I, yeah, like yeah. it's not like first reformed where it's only lamps, but mm-hmm. it, they, they still have, um, they're not blown out by the, by the lighting, but also it's like, yeah, like a, the characters are lit up like a th- like a stage or it's like, and he uses curtains a lot. 
He uses yes. curtains constantly. So it does, I think maybe that's what it is, is the theater feel. Like, I, the yeah, picture it's... I have up on the thing right now is two characters in front of a black, dark curtain, and you they're lit up well, and it's usually warm, yellow lighting, and then everything, yeah, everything in the background is dark. Darker. Uh, the... Yeah, it's it's like a moving. I'm trying to think of how I would describe it, but it's a, it's a it's a it's a moving play where it's instead of just when the lights go dark and the set changes, you actually get to move with the characters in the real world from set to set. Um, and it's just yeah, having the lighting be so spotlighty just also just isolates the dialogue in addition to those pauses that you mentioned. Um, it really makes you just like pay attention, I guess, and listen to to each person who has their moment to speak. Um, yeah, yeah, and some, and like, there's two ways you can, when you're not in the mood to watch this kind of movie, it can be, um, fatiguing, um, Mm -hmm. to just sit in the silence and for, and get piecemealed your information. But when you're really just ready for this kind of film and you just sit down and, and turn and you just vibe with it and like, let it happen. Um, you know, every line is, is you're hanging on it. You're waiting for it. You're hanging on it. And just like, what does this reveal? What or what mystery does this create? Or mm-hmm. I don't know. That's why I love his stuff. Um, he's definitely be, and I know it's, it's like, not cliche, but pretty common for someone that's into movies to say Lynch is one of their favorites, but he definitely is. Um, I can't, even when I don't vibe with it, I'm super, like, not vibe with it, but even if I'm not like, I'm super enthralled into this movie, engrossed into this, what this movie is. I'm so always appreciating the style and, um, and like what, like if you ever want to learn how to make an uneasy scene, watch movie, mm-hmm. Lynch movies, like uneasy without something drastic. It's very minimal. These are like yeah, small yeah. attentions to detail and stuff like, like we said, line delivery, lighting, the basics of filmmaking. Um, yeah. And this goes back to Eraserhead. And Eraserhead is probably turning that shit up to such a high degree that it is um, harsh. It's like harsh noise to watch that movie. Yeah, Um, I hate watching that movie. (laughs) I think I want to watch it. We'll do it. If we continue doing this, we'll do it eventually because it's, you know, a must must see uh, for this sort of shit. But um, yeah, me watching it and not a, a, a. college theater with the sound cranked uh will definitely be a lot more enjoyable when i can control the volume yeah the the sound of that movie is grating but it's meant to be so Um, yes yeah it it won several uh awards and praises for the sound design uh what um sound design what uh all right i think i think we should we should get moving on on this one do you want to just uh, talk about the ending with the Glenda the Good Witch just showing up at the end? Oh or? yeah, yeah. We, I mean, just the fact that there's a Wizard of Oz theme throughout the film, throughout also. the whole movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of not overt. It's not like heavy. Like it's not necessary to read, but it's like it constantly keeps coming up. They get referenced. It. She clicks her heels in one scene, um, and then straight up, that's the actress who plays Laura Dern from Twin Peaks. Um, yeah, the good witch shows up at the end and conv- and oh yeah, so Nicolas Cage gets jumped by this gang. He calls them a uh, a homosexual slur, 
And so he rightfully, that's what we kept saying. Like so people should use this. I was like, this is what happens when you call people a slur, you get beat the fuck up. And then you Paul, and then he learns his lessons. You know what? I'm sorry. He literally says, "I'm sorry for calling <laughs> y'all homosexuals." Um, <laughs> I learned my lesson, and uh, I should. I'm gonna be kinder in the future, or something like that. And uh, I'm gonna be a father. And uh, he runs and becomes dad, and that's the end of the movie. Finally, yeah, but he finally sings the song. Love the, me, yeah, uh, yeah. They foreshadow. He's all only sing "Love Me Tender" to my wife my or wife. something like that. And uh, yeah, it was it was very beautiful. The credits roll as he sings the whole song as they spin around him and Laura Dern embracing. It was, it was sweet. It was very. I mean, this is what I'm. Uh, um, this is what I mean about like if you go back to that that rock club scene in the beginning, it just you can go from this movie goes from Bobby Peru blowing his head off accidentally to fucking love me tender, all in the same, all within half an hour. Yeah, this movie has a range, and that and that's how I think we said that before with Lynch's films. It's not all of them, but there's like a sweetness and like um like a like I said a story, a family story is in a lot of these movies. Or and if they were, if there is a risque element, it could it doesn't need to be. It could easily just be told toned down in a more typical um, movie or film or TV show or something. But this is cranks up the cr- the craziness and it's at these random times oh my god dude we didn't talk about diane ladd f- putting lipstick all over her face oh my gosh red. About that. it was very it was like very the... jarring very jarring yeah very creepy i that reminded me of like uh like a wizard of odd witch a lot too like oh uh, that's like probably that what they're going with yeah that's probably what they're going with i didn't think about that um but all right we should we should probably get move on here so what are you giving wild at heart I, I liked it, but definitely uh, not my favorite of the Lynch films. But I um I, I was thinking a three and a half. I think I'm also gonna give it a three and a half. Um, I wavered between the three and three and a half, but I think there's this movie's too fucking cool. Um, and it's just so there's so much to learn to learn from it. There's so much to get from it. It's just it. Both of these films are challenging, just in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. and you just have to go into it knowing that you know the slow like. The dri- it's gonna drift through it um, at its pace at a leisurely not a leisure pace leisurely pace but a slow pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, I liked it. Wild at heart. Yeah, I'd recommend it. So Lost Highway is interesting because Lost Highway I have previously called my favorite Lynch film. Um, interesting. Yes. Uh, I was very fucking creeped out by it the first time because of uh, there's a lot of interesting factoids about this movie and um, a lot a few people died after this film. It was their last roles. Uh, also, one character in this murdered someone after this film. Uh, dun dun dun. And that who if all right. So if anyone in this film murdered somebody, who do you think it would be? Um, you don't know. You don't know, right? You don't know the. I don't know. No, I don't know. I. That's kind of good that I look up the. I I dogged you for it earlier, but uh, it's kind of good that I look up the facts and and then I can spring them on you and surprise you halfway through. Um, (laughs) um, I would say, I would say, I mean, I feel like the obvious one would be the 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 mysterious man who uh, is in two places at once, played by Robert Blake. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I feel like that would be the obvious answer because he's creepy as fuck. But oh, maybe it is. It is. Uh, that is the answer. It is. It is. Oh fuck. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah, Robert Blake murdered so, murdered his wife uh, after oh, this film was made. Um, I think he's in prison, or if he's not, he might be dead now. Nope, wow. not dead. Oh yeah, 2005, he was found liable in civil court only for a wrongful death. He's not in prison. He was acquitted Ugh. and then found uh, liable in, in civil court. I think he like hired a hitman or something. Jesus. Man, just divorce. It's, it's... His wife was fatally shot in the head while sitting in Blake's vehicle. Wow. Yeah. Also, Jack Nance, who uh, plays... Pete Martell and the Eraserhead, the Eraserhead actor. He's yeah. in this film bl briefly. Uh, he passed away after this was made. Also, Richard Pryor with a cameo, small cameo in this yeah. movie. Um, he passed away also after this was made. So there's a lot of there's a lot, there's a little spookies hanging over this one, and I think that kind of adds to this already incredibly fucking creepy movie. So I'll yeah. give. I'll let you. Sp I'll let you go. Let me. But let me give a gr brief uh, synopsis. Um, our main character is Bill Pullman. He is a saxophonist. Uh, he, he is a jazz what? man. Uh, is that the actual term for that? I don't know if it, uh, some people pronounce it saxophonist, but I think that the pro proper <laughs> pronunciation is a saxophonist. <laughs> That's wild. I've never heard that before or pronounced like that. Um. Uh, I feel like we gotta settle this, but I'll I'll look that up when it's your turn. So so he's a saxophonist. He's a jazz man. And he's a very he's very good or whatever. And he's a little older, and his wife is played by Patricia Arquette, and um, she he suspects her of cheating, uh, and that's kind of the thing. He gets a tape in the mail, and it is a tape of his home. He gets a second tape in the mail. It is a tape of the inside of his home, um, and he suspect they suspect that someone is stalking uh, him or them, and that's what sets up the film. He also gets uh, there's an intercom uh, in his house, like uh, for the doorbell, and the very beginning of the film, you just hear the phrase "Dick Laurent is dead," <laughs> and uh, that's what sets it up. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Um. Yeah, this 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 movie is just so weird. I I was so confused and uh, for a lot of it, but the um, and I really felt like the the intro the beginning was super creepy and interesting, but then I felt like it slogged and I was almost Saxophonist. like it was almost losing me until uh, it just changes from to a completely different movie when you get to uh, uh, with that character what is his name Pete uh, Dayton. Um, and then Saxophonist. I just was just like, what, what the, the, the heck? It was, I was, I, that hooked me from there on because I just want to know why. I want to know where this is going. Thanks for watching. Um, but there's so many similarities uh, to um, the stuff going on in Bill Pullman's world, like reality versus like this like dream state thing. It was just, it was very interesting. It took, it took me off guard at first, but then I, I, upon learning about it afterwards, I'm, I'm all in on this movie. This movie's rad. So yeah, this is, a, I think this is a movie that requires, it's not even that it's suggested. This movie requires multiple viewings to fully understand. 
Because you watch it the first time, you're not going to get half of it. Because literally, you're not supposed to get half of it. And then the end of it fills, like, brings it all together. Um, and uh, even this time, because it's been a while since I've watched this. And I did not under, did not know what was going on in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I was just like, what? This guy's in his house, but he's at this party. He's obviously something supernatural. Um, um, or he's something. He's, something's going on. But basically, Bill Pullman murders his wife, goes to prison. It's not fully clear that he murders his wife because you see it in a VHS tape. Um mm. But he goes to prison and he's in there. He's going to be put in an electric chair. And he starts freaking out. He's having all these crazy headaches. And all of a sudden, he transforms into Pete Dayton, a young young man in his early 20s. And they notice that he's no longer Bill Pullman's character, Fred Madison. And they let him out. Um, Pete Dayton's played by Balthazar Getty. and uh yeah then the movie just becomes about pete's story and about this woman the woman who's also played by patricia arquette but blonde um and how you know she's seducing him and it's essentially two movies in one like we were saying before and it's not like yeah like fred madison transforms to pete dayton and then the movies becomes about pete dayton but then it's the same woman's in the movie and it's just it doesn't it doesn't add up yeah, when when it got to the uh the 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 two detectives that were watching uh Pete Dayton and Mr. Eddie comes up and they're like, "Do you know who that is?" And it's like, "That's Laurent." And I was like, "That's when it was like starting to be, all right, this is this guy's to be tied to Bill Pullman in some way. Like I'm just waiting for that to like cross back over." But also like how did Bill Pullman just get out of jail and become Pete Dayton? Like in, in, and then no one is uh, telling him about what happened that night, um, with it between his girl, uh, Pete Dayton's girlfriend, his parents, uh, played by his dad's played by Gary Busey. Yeah, um, they don't. Just, like, I don't think they do tell you. They don't even no. tell you. They, they're just this weird scene of like a like a like a cocoon opening or something. There's like this yeah. thin, like fleshy pod opening, and like it's really even hard to see that, and that's all you get. Yeah. The um, when you have uh, like they keep referencing the like what happened the other night, uh, and but you never see it the um, other than the cocoon thing like you were saying, uh, but it just keeps go as it goes on further, and then you meet Patricia Arquette, uh, at the she comes with Mister Eddie into the uh the garage with Richard Pryor runs his name's Arnie, um. It just starts. It starts just getting more and more weird because then you get later on in the movie after they do the relationship, um, and they're like she's like cheating on Mister Eddie. They go to the this guy Andy's house, and that's the guy who was holding the party from the beginning of the movie. Bill Pullman was at, and it's just like like the realities are together. But then you see the picture of that their twin sisters in the uh, in the picture frame in Pete's um, at Andy's house. Yeah, yeah and, Pete's story. and, and then just, later they see the same picture again yeah but it's with only one Patricia Arquette and it was just it was fucking with me so much because I, I was so confused during this movie yeah mm. it's really it's meant you're meant to be confused until the until the ending and then you st- you're, they, you start putting it together um 
but even then it's like you aren't sure and then you have to like really think about it um mm-hmm. this yeah this movie is like um Riz said it reads like a novel that's what she said like after watching it that it's like a book can do something like because you books you're usually inside the person's head you're like reading their monologue inner monologue for the main character mm-hmm. um and then like the what they observe and what they see and what they do or whatever um and this felt like that like where we were just inside Bill Pullman's head so we it was a very limited view of what was happening and then it just like the it it morphed into this other story and then you're still seeing that perspective only um but it's and there's weird hints of of the previous character and it's not clear um and you're just getting these little you know little snippets of information that that contradict this reality um i don't know i thought that was a really good point and uh i think that's what makes this so unique and interesting and obviously he perfected this with Mulholland drive but this is like mm. Mulholland Drive is dark, but I think I uh, maybe just being in being in edgy boy shit into edgy boy shit that that's why I like this more is because of how dark it is, and maybe because it's male driven and it's just the inner my you know my own inner biases. But uh, and this is the the fucking mystery man is so creepy when he's like, "What the <laughs> fuck is your name?" And I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking creepy as fuck." It's very very jarring. Or like even like the sex scene in the desert and she's like, "You'll never have yeah. me." And um it's, yeah. it's, it's this is a very it just feels dark. Even darker than it is. Like it, but it's I mean, it's about a woman cheating on her husband and the husband murdering his wife. Yeah, and, and then knowing that, like the I guess for the spoiler, like the so the movie, like from the Pete Davis, I feel like we have to spoil it to kind of really talk you have about, to like because you can't you illustrate how <clears throat> fucking weird it is without that. Yeah, so I guess the the whole like Pete Dayton storyline on is just takes place in Bullman, uh, Bill Pullman's head, um, and it's just him just. I guess like breaking from reality and just like imagining this shit going on while he's waiting on death row. Um, and like he's trying to create this like perfect little life, but then things from reality start creeping into his little fantasy in his head. And, um, and it just like, you're seeing this like more warp and twisted way of like, kind of like how things were going down in his head, I guess it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's, there's layers. There's so much to it. But it is so good then after knowing that. Because it makes you just like I, I'm probably gonna watch this a second time uh over the next week just because I wanna just rewatch all the different things uh and how they they connect and everything. Yeah, I think sometimes it's hard. I think usually me and you end up watching these towards the end of the week. So there's only a little, like a day between this podcast. But some of the movies like this, I probably wish I'd watch earlier in the week so then I could stew mm-hmm. on it and get a chance to watch it again if I wanted to um, before we did this. Because uh, it would be, I think it'd be helpful. Uh, it's just, you know, it's like, does a movie requiring a second watch mean it's better um, when it's like, a little dense like this, um, like dense as far as under easy to understand. Yeah, um, I think you have to like you have to go in knowing what it is. I think if you went in blind, you're not you wouldn't like it necessarily. 
because of how confusing it would be. But if I think if you're aware of what kind of movie it is going in, I think that it it um I think it I think it, it comes I think it comes off great. Uh like it, it does what it's trying to do and uh you can then uh really take in like the deepness to it and just let the weird be weird and enjoy it for what it is. Uh yeah, yeah. And, and like it's a mystery movie, but it's not mm-hmm. a traditional and then it's literally two different mysteries. A mystery movie inside of a mystery movie just at its base, but it's a mystery movie in terms of how in like it's an abstraction, it's like uh metaphorical, it's um a more cerebral mystery than just figuring out these things of reality. Like you have to find the clues in this guy's warped psyche of what's going on. Um but yeah, and that's it. It's meant to be not easy to understand. It's meant to be and not like not in the way that people will like, I'm trying to make something deep by making it complex. It's not even that it's complex. It's that it is just the, the way it's interwoven in the the attention to the detail with like the these two different worlds and the the overlappings of them. Um it's just really, really Really good, really fascinating, and I've never really seen, other than Mulholland Drive, I've never really seen a lot of movies that do this. And if they do, if I have, just not this well. Yeah, just like where you're at the, the end, and you're just like, wow, I like everything I invested in this, like, uh, and then all this confusion for this hour and a half is that's mm. a payoff, you know, to like get it at, and like not get it until the end, and finally like put it together or even not even fully. Cause you're not, I don't ever feel sure after this movie. Like you said, you had to read a wiki. I watched YouTube videos uh, and analyses about it. Um, yeah. But like you're, you don't even feel gr- like on solid ground when you're done, but you're just like, I you, understanding it and putting those things together in the end. It's like an aha moment um, that feels good. Um, yeah, definitely. It's kind of, I imagine it's kind of like how people that like hard video games, like Dark Souls or something, like when they finally mm. beat that boss, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't like those kind of games because I don't want to have a hard time to, you know, I don't want to oh, ha- put in all that work to then get that payoff. This feels like that. I'm putting in this, this detective work and this work as the audience to get this payoff in the end. And that's what this kind of movie is. But um, I, I think it pays off though for the, in this in this uh, instance. I do. It does. Um, it does. I think this pays off much better than Wild and Heart does. Not the yeah. ball, Wild and Heart is a similar structure, but this was a fulfilling f- conclusion. Yeah, I initially liked Wild and Heart more, uh, but as this one has stewed, it's 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 like I definitely feel the the the, the first half of the movie, like pre Pete Dayton, is it can be a little too slow, but. Uh, because it's like the so dreamy like, though. It's like the dreamiest shit in the beginning. Like yeah, but and it's 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 visually it's not like for me at least it's because it's so dark and it's so like orange and brown. Like for it's just it's visually unsettling for me uh, and all the stuff. So it just made it almost like a hard until like you get to the Pete Dayton stuff. Well, honestly, even once you get to the the tape that has him like with the 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 cut off limbs and blood everywhere. Uh, like the of him murdering his wife. Like from there on, I was I was I was in. I was like fine. I didn't feel like there was any slowdown after that. But the it was just. It, but like now it's like now knowing I I I feel like I would not be nearly as bogged down by that. Um, 
Which uh, one's like the second watch? I, I um I like the beginning so much because of how dreamy it is. It doesn't feel real. Mm. Um it's so slow and dreamy and it's like the, it, this is like Lynch at his dreamiest, but then it's like yeah. when it, it's, it's interesting that when we're in reality, it is dreamiest. And when we are in the dream, it is more like a regular movie. Yes. That is yeah. on gotta be on purpose because it's, it's oh. there's this contrast between when we're in Bill Pullman's story and it's batshit insane. Mm. And when we are in Balthazar Getty's story and it is a more, like it's weird. It's weird, but it's more um like a normal film. Remember Yeah, yeah. Do you know what movie uh reminds me of the Balthazar Getty part? Um what? is uh um uh what's it? The Silver Lake. Was it beyond beneath the Silver Lake or beyond the one with Andrew Garfield? Oh, I haven't seen that one. Remember you brought it I brought it up and you said you brought it mm-hmm. up to some friends and they said it sucked. Yeah. Uh, well, it it yeah. isn't great. It's a really indulgent movie, but for some, but it remind its story reminds me of kind of uh, of Balthazar Getty's portion of Lost Highway. Interesting. I, yeah, I would I, like uh, to watch that movie because I think you would like it. You would recognize that it's flawed, but I think Under the Silver Lake—that's what it's called. Um, it's it's noir. It's very like a neo noir mystery. Um, it's very, there's a lot involved in it. Um, it's very like maximal movie, not in terms of production, just like they're throwing the kitchen sink at you narrative wise. And it's almost, it's pretty much, it's kind of to its detriment. Um, but this reminded me of that. Um, I want to watch that someday. Uh, yeah, this is, I think it's still, I, I had it at a five out of five before this. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that today, but I think I'm still going to rate it pretty high. Is there anything that big that you wanted to talk about um, before we head to the to the wrappings up? Um, I mean, from a cinematography standpoint, it's it's very similar to Wild at Heart, but darker. It 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 just takes that spotlight and just cranks in the the darkness on the around it. Where you're, um, they have those uh those those sweeping shots where it's just like a phone ringing in a different room on a different table on a different. Oh, there's area. a lot of phones. Yeah, it's phones just and technology. There, there's a lot of uh, phones and technology, video recorders, yeah. intercoms, um, but not like phones. not like high tech stuff. Uh, but just technology is involved, mm-hmm. and we got to bring up the the line that is the lin- that is the keystone of the film. That when Bill Pullman says, when the cops come and they're talking about tapes, he's like, they ask him if he had a video. He has a video recorder, and he says. Yeah. I don't own I don't own a video recorder. Or she says he doesn't uh Patricia Arquette says he doesn't own a video recorder. And he's like, Yeah, I don't like video recorders. I like to remember stuff the way I remember them, not necessarily the way that they happened. Yeah, that was so uh like who the fuck is so relatable. That? I mean, it is so relatable, relatable like- but uh, but like who wants to reject reality for what they think happened? Like I'm always, I mean, I'm somebody that is, is always worried that I am, uh, living in a, in a warped, you know, world. Like my perspective yeah. is not, is not what it actually is. So mm. I like that having that, you know, uh, technology. Yeah. I agree uh, that 
on that aspect but i was just gonna say look at like a large section of the country like that's they they abide by the laws of bill pullman's lines <laughs> yeah they both yeah it doesn't matter if, if if it's fact but an undeniable yeah. fact if it's not in their world view exactly um, like it's it's that's that's what it just felt so relatable and just like man that is immediately what i thought was just like that's half the fucking country <laughs> yeah i um sorry podcast it's the first time i might have ever yawned on here um uh that is really the the line that puts it all together and if you don't realize it at the time how important it is because it's kind of just innocuous mm -hmm. uh when you at the, when you're in the beginning but when you yeah yeah think about it at the end you're just like well that's because he's rejecting reality and substituting his own um, his own fantasy, yeah. and it's whether you either to cope with this impending, um, death, um, or to just you know come to terms with the actions that he did because he was in very much in denial that he murdered his wife. Whereas mm -hmm. as by the end of it, his character seems to be very lucid with that he murdered his wife and killed Dick Laurent. Um, the one thing that is inconsistent, and I don't know what if it's supposed to mean something more abstract is in So we find out in the end that Bill Pullman is the guy he says into his own intercom that Dick Laurent is dead. So he hears it in the beginning and he says it in the end. And I don't know if that was supposed to be, you know, reference to how the mystery man is in two places at once. Um, because it kind of fucks with time and which the movie does not do in any other way, any other point. So I didn't, that is my only, I don't understand what this was supposed to mean or represent. I think that, uh, so what I, I took it as was the, the beginning parts and why everything is so weird is just you have Bill Pullman hitting his like psychotic break moment where it, it's almost becoming like schizophrenic where the, he, he is himself in the parts where he's calling the police, you know, he's watching the videotapes with the Patricia Arquette and, every, you know, they're normal. And then this other part of him is the part that's doing the videotaping and killing his wife and everything. And so I think that the that was just like an hallucination kind of thing. And then when you get to the 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 latter half of the movie where you realize that that this is all just taking place inside of his head it's just kind of like that's his way of tying it to that like hallucination i guess i don't know if that makes sense yeah well, that does make sense oh uh, i get i think i know what you mean um yeah it is it is like the loop it closes the loop i think i watched a video that called it a i think they said a mobius loop how he's like weaving in and out of reality and his like the fake reality that he's made for himself so it's like yeah. then there's these moments that are like half halfway of both um like looking at the picture or 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 i guess the ending um yeah i this movie isn't messy or like i remember i know we've talked we talk about flaws in movies like i don't i can't see anything in that regard at all how do you feel how do you feel about balthazar getty's performance because he didn't get a ton of work after this um, i thought it was fine like i i mean I, it wasn't anything like standout it's not like uh i didn't find him as engaging as bill pullman as a, like as his performance but just where the character itself was going is what i was in and so i guess in that regard yeah you i thought you did a good job because it, it kept me hooked on what it was but it, it it's that's the kind of the way the character's written he's very reserved he's very like short with his with how he talks and 
um, very kind of like non-expressive, but that's I just took that as being part of the character. Yeah, he uh, he uh, he does show TV after this. He he's on Charmed and Alias, um, and uh, and things like that. But as far as films, he doesn't do much big stuff um, after Lost Highway, which I thought was interesting because I didn't think his performance was definitely. I didn't think it was bad at all. But I don't know if Lost Highway was was um how much it made money wise um but uh well you so how do you feel about all the performances is there anything else that stood out to you um no it was it was really good uh the the mystery man is creepy as hell um i love the uh the patricia arquette's uh character was very great that that very just soft somber spoken every line of dialogue but still like something feels off like completely off um i like the uh i loved robert loja mr eddie uh he has yeah, such a he, booming he's voice always pretty what good he looks like he's all i mean he always plays a gangster but yeah um but he's always good oh, at that we have to talk about we have to talk about the tailgating scene with robert loja <laughs> Or the dude's tailgate. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. You like, can send this to anybody about that you don't want to tailgate. Oh my god! Or teach him so why tailgating funny. is wrong. Yeah, that is probably <laughs> and he just one of the funniest. Listing out all the statistics while he's beating, pistol whipping him with a desert eagle. <laughs> oh man, that was so like that was such a good point of like humor and levity in a movie that was just so like heavy. Brooding. With, with, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't like, talk. Uh, I just sorry. I just remembered. Uh, we didn't talk about sex in this film because sex is also a heavy oh, theme. Um, but yeah, it's both different these movies. because, but it's different. It's darker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's. I saw some people looking at it, reading against pornography, like th- like reading it as pornography is evil. Um, like like cheating is evil and murder is evil. Um, uh, but also these people are pornographers and they're um taking advantage of. Patricia Arquette, me and Riss likened it more in, in the modern sense of sex trafficking, since she was like violently forced into this work um, that is also sex work, apparently. You know, it's not just... And porn is sex work, but um, oh, it seems like acts as well um, as far as for Mr. Eddie. Well, I, uh, I, because of the... Because um, we don't explicitly know... Bill Pullman doesn't know exactly what Patricia... Arquette, like the job was, she just spent like, oh, we met at Moki's and they offered me a job. And she's like, of course I didn't take it. Um, but then in the the fantasy world, Bill Pullman's fantasy with P- PD uh, Dayton, I think that's just in his head what he assumed what it was. And that was him trying to like assume the worst because he was already like hyper paranoid of like the cheating and everything. Um, I think, I don't know, maybe, I maybe, I thought that that part was real because I thought it was shown in the end that they were at the porn place and like the cop when the cops were there. And then that's still the, but film. that's all still part of, uh, that's all still part of that's Bill Pullman's like fantasy. Breaking, yeah. But then like, the cops uh, see the cops are there again and seeing the, like the cops are there seeing the picture when it's not two, it's just one. And they're not in the, they're not in the Balthazar Getty world anymore. Um, but, uh, because I didn't think that Andy was killed in real life because it all, because Bill Pullman is still just in his cell the whole time. No, um, uh, yeah, he was. That, no, so what it is is that showing what Bill Pullman did. Bill Pullman killed Andy. Bill Pullman and, killed oh, Dick Laurent, gotcha. or uh, yeah, killed Dick Laurent, 
and killed his wife. That's what it was illustrating. Like Balthazar Getty, whoever he killed, was uh, that was Bill Pullman killing them. But pre before he was uh, arre like arrested. Yes, th that's the time thing. Uh, okay, uh, okay. So I we're th seeing I thought that was all actions just like... that Bill Pullman did, but through gotcha. Balthazar Getty. Um, not the story, not the the not the no, story, but the, the ending scene where he hid in there, knocked him on the head, and he falls into the glass. Yeah. Um, man, I always think about that with glass tables, and that's the oh, first man. time I've ever seen it in a movie. Um, happen like yeah, that. It was so yeah, it was, it was very unsettling. I I always think about that when you have uh, like little babies that are first learning to walk around coffee tables, like and they hitting their heads on things. Yeah, you can't have a glass coffee table around no babies. Uh, no, you can't have any <laughs> coffee tables around babies. Um, but uh, yeah, great, good film. It was still one of my favorites, but I, I, I think I, I think I personally like it more than others. But I understand why. I Blue Velvet is probably the is probably my favorite and the best. But I recognize that, Mulholland. I recognize Mulholland Drive is a, a better film than this one. I just think mm -hmm. there's something I like about this vibe better. Like the I'm yeah, not into I the Hollywood thing. I think that's why I don't like Mulholland Drive. Is I'm not really into the acting world Hollywood thing. I'm into it. I love it, but just not as much mm -hmm. as this. Like, I don't have this affinity for old Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, this is still shot in Hollywood, but, like, uh, like the Los Angeles area. But yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's not, tell. like, a love letter, like like, like Mulholland Drive feels like. Yeah, Mulholland Drive is almost like, uh, what's the, the name of it? The Tarantino one? The... Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, yes, yes. Different movies, but definitely both love letters yeah. to Hollywood. Um. Oh, also, but, I think all, another thing that makes this movie creepy as shit is Marilyn Manson. The soundtrack, which is produced by Trent Reznor, um, the score is done by Angelo Badalamenti. So I was confused about who does what in that. Um, mm. But uh, the soundtrack has a lot of pop, like heavy pop music at the time. Marilyn Manson's on has a song and plays in the movie, and he's also one of the porn actors in the the film. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought that was him. Yeah, him, Twiggy Ramirez from his band, who also I think is now outed as a piece of shit. Um, yeah, so th having those pieces of shit being a part that has to do with like having being bad things done to Patricia Arquette um, kind of just made it even more real, just like with Robert Blake being a murderer, actually. Yeah. Um, that makes this movie... It's like... Uh, and this is going to sound... Um, I don't know, but it's like think about uh Lincoln Park, right? Lincoln Park is yeah. was a pop metal band. Um, you know they had emotional lyrics, but they were essentially still a pop metal band and new metal band, and they made so catchy songs for people. Whatever you don't, you know, you think about the mute, the lyrics or whatever, but you just I'm like, oh, they just wrote this for whatever. Like they they're not really they you know feeling that, and now. In the present, with Chester Bennington dead uh, of suicide, um, I really, you know, that music that were just, you know, emo lyrics, you know, over the top, literal emo lyrics before are very, have a much different context now. Uh, much realer, visceral, and darker context when you know that the, the, they were, there's a meaning and weight and they weren't just wrote for nothing. You know, they weren't just wrote to make a hit. Um, yeah, yeah. and this film will already is creepy as fuck, but just knowing that 
there's real sexual abusers in it and real murderer. And not saying that this is cool or good that people should try to do this. It's just a ha- thing that happened, you know, as mm. history goes on. Um, you know, you shouldn't cast murderers and rapists in fem- movies on purpose, but it yeah, does yeah. add this layer of reality of real evil to a movie about evil. Um, yeah. A mystery man is uh, at its simple at its simplest uh, reading is a personification of evil. You know, he's what's you know manipulating Bill Pullman to murder his wife. Um, yeah. and it's just his evil in his soul or mind or whatever. Yeah, it's like his his paranoia uh, personified into like a, a like a manifestation of his like dark side. Yes, essentially. Um, <clears throat> But uh, yeah, I, I as far as the score goes, though, I like that Ramstein song that got uh, a reprisal. It came in twice. Um, yes, it did come in twice. Um, but yeah, the, Ramstein the opening, is a is big. Yeah, there. Um, that, that was pretty cool. But the the opening when David the, the, Bowie the song opening credits. Yeah, the opening credits where it's just like that, like synth. Um, That's nineties David that Bowie. That's his sound in the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, I it took it's like me, electronic, uh, weird electronic, yeah. artsy. The way I, I just thought I was thinking about this after I watched Wild at Heart too, and I was like, all of the the scores of these two movies are so like noticeable, and and I don't I can't tell and if it's necessary in a good or bad way. Like I, it works because of of just how Lynch does his movies and everything. But I feel like if it was in a not Lynch movie, I feel it like would it would date be a, it. Like I, like a che- cheesy score. I don't. I don't think they're cheesy. Um, the metal, at least. Um, I think that it date would it can date them. Um, the metal and the the industrial for Lost Highway, um, does date it a little bit. But I think it also like these are like dark genres, and they mm. fit with a dark film. And it is nice to see different genres utilized in a dark noir film besides jazz or synths horror synths you know um so i think that is creative and i think that's why it transcends the date of that you know no one didn't 90s david bowie is not considered essential david bowie you know it's and yeah. <laughs> uh, or just the, the Trent Reznor soundtrack. It's once you see that you, it makes sense when you listen. You watch that film, like it sounds like that, um, and mm. not like a new Trent Reznor soundtrack, a nine inch Trent Reznor in Nine Inch Nails soundtrack. Yeah. Um, with the selections of the the you know the pop songs and whatnot. Um, but yeah, good, great film, great film. Um, that was a good point though. Uh, I think we should score this and wrap it up. I got we gotta get moving. Um, what are you giving no Lost Highway? Uh, originally, after I initially watched it, I was sitting in like the threes just for like a, all all style holding it up. Uh, but now I've gone through like learning about it and gone through it and hashing it out. I I originally didn't like this more than Wild at Heart, but now I think I'm 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 so close to a four. Uh, with it, so, uh, so it I, th- I think I'm just gonna give it a four. Okay. I think I'm giving it a four and a half. Um, nice. And it's just like, you d- I think it, like I said before, how much does, um, how much does needing a guide to fully understand the film, you know, 
devalue it for you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's it. And if you're, and if you're okay with watching a film twice to get it, um, I think then that is going to affect where you're, if you're below four or how much above four or whatever. Um, I just looking at reviews from the people I follow, they're all fours and four and a half. There's one five from Jay, Jay from uh, red letter media. Um, and the, yeah, that's about where I find where I find it. I don't, like I said, it's probably my personal favorite Lynch film, but I don't know if it is my, that is the best Lynch film. Yeah, I think I like Mulholland Drive slightly better than this. Um, and I definitely like Blue Velvet a lot more than this. But uh, this is still really good. Like, this is still a great film. Um, and it just, I, every with every David Lynch film we've watched, I have more appreciation for the style. Um, yes, and when you re- he's very consistent. Like, he evolves over time, but mm-hmm. a lot of the his style is consistent throughout his work, especially once you yeah. get to Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet through Mulholland Drive is, like, all, that's all, like, his style at its peak, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um... But all right, all right. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, anything else you wanna you wanna mention or talk about before we wrap up? I'm pulling up the calendar while you do it. Uh, no, I'm just actually excited to. I know it's a slog. It could be a slog because how long it is, but this has me excited to get watch Inland Empire. Um, yeah, I would like. To, I want to do that one for sure. Oh, Inland Empire is the other one I haven't seen. I haven't seen Elephant Man, Inland Empire, and The Straight Story. I haven't seen any of those either. Um, all right. So next week we are doing Killing of a Sacred Deer and Teton. Yes. Um, and Teton, let me see when that comes out because that's new. Release date's October 1st. So we'll have to see it this weekend. But it's supposed to, it's a body horror movie and it's supposed to be good. A lot of people have been hyping it up. Um, but all right, I'm excited. You're excited. People are out there. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I got an email that we are the on Apple. We are the number eight film podcast, film history podcast in Kazakhstan, the number eighty eight film history podcast in the United States. So uh, keep keep listening. Uh, make sure you follow on Spotify or whatever it is you listen to us on. Um, if you want to see the video version, make sure you check it out on YouTube. Um, subscribe there. We're on Facebook and everything. And yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed it. See you, everybody, later. Bye. Robert. L-